You're listening to episode 50 with Ryan Romero, Associate Professor of Practice at UT Austin. This episode is brought to you by the Water Now Alliance. Hi, this is Cynthia Kohler, Executive Director for the Water Now Alliance. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of communication and collaboration in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Water Now Alliance believes that local leaders hold the keys to our water future. Water Now is a nonprofit network of over 400 city council members, mayors, water district board members, and utility managers nationwide supporting sustainable, affordable, and community-based solutions to water challenges. Water Now is a forum for collaborative action and a network for local leaders to learn from each other and connect with innovation. Water Now provides resources, tools, training, project and policy support, and case studies advancing sustainable water strategies. Its newest initiative is Tap into Resilience, a campaign to accelerate adoption of green infrastructure, efficiency, and other on-site water solutions. So join this unique network of local decision makers leading the way to a healthy and resilient water future for their communities. Visit waternow.org forward slash join or email info at waternow.org. Membership is free and open to decision makers responsible for everything from policy to programs to rates and who are the leading edge for all things water. Well, your brand better be about representing your audience. I mean, if you're just talking about, okay, if you got on a date mm-hmm. and you're sitting across, like, you're, you're sitting across the table from someone's a blind date, someone hooked you up with, and you're sitting there across this table and the person will not shut up about themselves, how does that date go? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's never good. I first heard about Ryan Romero in Glenn Griffin's book, The Creative Process Illustrated, where advertisers from across the country were asked to illustrate their creative process. And Ryan's was essentially this written manifesto. So for me, a writer with no doodle skills whatsoever, his rebel written call to creativity really resonated with me. So uh, I was beyond thrilled to find out that his career journey had brought him from Seattle back to UT Austin, where we caught up with him in his living room. (laughs) Ryan gave us some insight on how to get around the feeling that since everyone uses water, that means everyone is our audience. However, if you've listened to us at all, you've heard us preach away at the fact that when you try to communicate with everyone, you essentially reach no one. He also talks about how branding is, you know, just like dating. All we're trying to do is just get our audience to fall in love with our brand. And who wants to fall in love with someone who only talks about themselves? He also gives us some things to keep in mind when outsourcing with a creative agency to ensure that everyone leaves happy. Plus, we get to end with a little Mr. Rogers. So... Full disclosure, Ryan is a colorful character with some colorful language, so maybe listen to this one with the old earbuds in if there are some sensitive ears around. I warned you, (laughs) we had so much fun during this conversation, we had so many great takeaways, and for anyone attending Catalyst 2019, you will get to see Ryan and Glenn Griffin live and in person and in action during our branding portion of the summit. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Ryan Romero believes good advertising creative begets good business and happy clients, something he learned working for agencies including Tribal DDB and Publicis on clients such as Pepsi, Dyson, Microsoft, and T-Mobile. In his professional career, he has transitioned from the role of a traditional copywriter to that of a digital ACD 
and from his native Texas to Washington and back again. He has earned international awards, launched entirely new mobile phone platforms, created innovative applications, and even sold lunch buffets to seniors, but found freedom in teaching the creative process to students since joining the faculty at UT in 2011. Besides lecturing at the University of Texas, Ryan is a freelance writer and creative director, co-founder of Big Machine in the Sky, Ducati writer, tattoo canvas, and a pretend grown-up, which we can definitely uh, definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So before... I mean, I'm a huge Ducati writer. All right, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Clearly. Yeah, that's yeah. actually what we just rolled in on. Okay. <laughs> but, well, thank you, Ryan, for yep. taking time with us and of course. for um, letting us braving it uh, out and letting us do this in your own home. Sure. Of course. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. It keeps, if you, if you do too much at work, if I do too much at work, the, um, the students find me and then it's just, <laughs> it's all go. over. We get nothing done. Get nothing. All over yeah. at that point. So before I go on, I know that there's a lot of people from the water world listening to this and they're going to wonder what the hell a digital ACD is. Oh, sure. Um, so it, it, I, you know, again, I need to probably update that, no. that, that we were talking before, uh, you read that about how the cobbler's kids have no shoes. And it just seems like every time you look at something you do for yourself <laughs> in this world, you realize just how woefully, you know, short it, it's it, being it, humble. It, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Um, it's fine. No, uh, so in the in the advertising world, a, a creative director is a CD. An ACD would be an associate creative director, gotcha. which would be someone who reports directly to a creative director. There's someone who typically works on the more day-to-day creative work, yeah. whereas a creative director would spend far more time with the overarching client mission and nice. a little more managerial, a little less dirty you know getting their hands in the dirt so the acd is on the front lines of creativity would be but the truth be told i was a cd before i left so it's just one of those you're all over the place i dig it i dig it um so the first thing that we typically do is ask our guests how they ended up in water and most tell us that it was by accident you aren't in the water industry per se but um, you are a water user as we're drinking some water from your tap right now (laughs) (laughs) but i love that your origin story also involves sort of this element of you kind of sort of winging it too and kind of following the journey as it goes so can you tell us what brought you to the advertising world well Advertising wasn't uh, was was sort of something I I I I guess later in my college career I figured out I wanted to go into. Uh, I went into college um, actually as a photography major, mm. and um, and I uh, I studied photography and 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 different elements of design and took figure drawing classes like any art major would at the University of North Texas. Oh. Uh, was there for a yeah in Little D. Uh, was there for quite a while, or, or I guess really just a year, and then uh, ended up moving to Baylor. Um, God knows why. It's fine. To follow my, uh, my, my wife, my now wife. Uh, she was at Baylor um, studying English and history. And I moved and floated from what was a photography major to a, sort of a general studio art major to an art undeclared to a, <laughs> a business undeclared yeah, to, I mean, just all over it. the map. 
Um, and then figured that, you know, the, the least business-like business major that I could probably feed myself with would be a marketing degree. So I got a marketing degree and, um, and it was at this point I sort of realized, but I, that I wanted to be in advertising as an advertising creative, but I did not know how I knew very little about the world. Yeah. Um, of advertising. And so I was like, well, surely, you know, I mean, it's a prestigious school. It's a good yeah. degree. And, and I'll stand by that. You know, as, as weird as it was going to the world's largest Baptist university, <laughs> being, being the recovering Catholic that I am, yeah. um, it was, it was a really good education. And I was like, surely, surely this is how you get in. And then I was like, oh, you need a book. You have to like have work and show that you know what you're doing yeah, and all this kind of good thing. stuff. Oh, they yeah, had that thing. So I sold wine and beer for a year nice. um, to uh, on-premise uh, places around here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, off-premise, like H-E-B. You know, yeah. you go to the store, you get wine. I was the person who sold it to them sure. put it there. Um, did that for a year until I got my into grad school at University of Texas. Went through University of Texas in their advertising program and got my master's degree there and also went through a section of that called Texas Creative, which is what I teach in now. Cool. Full circle. Uh, full circle, right. Awesome. So uh, they train young copywriters and art director hopefuls and um, send them out in the world to do stuff. So that was my, and from there I was hired into agencies in Dallas yeah. and so on. So, yeah. Branding is a word that doesn't get thrown around much in our water world. Uh-huh. Um, the city communicators and marketers obviously talk about the brand of the city, but a water department also has its own distinct brand for the most part. How do you talk branding to an audience that isn't necessarily familiar with what that truly means? I, I think if you start thinking of a brand, um, you know, without, without going too political where they're like, well, a corporation is a person, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's like, we're not trying to, 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 to delineate legal definitions here. Yeah, so yeah, don't, yeah. so don't quote me on that. <laughs> but, uh, if you begin to think of a brand as a person and, and the easiest way that I've ever explained it to my students is to explain to them that think about, um, a, a character in a movie, either an actor or, an, you know, a, a, your favorite actor, your, your, your favorite movie, whatever their character is, and think about how that character speaks and the way they interact with other people mm-hmm. and the way that they, um, the words that they use, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And if you can assign your brand a character in a movie that feels right for that brand, it makes it very easy to speak from the position of that brand. Mm -hmm. So you will write a headline that only has words that that character, that that person, that that brand would use. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, would they be friends or buy things from this other brand? Yes, Mm -hmm. no, I don't know. You know, it it, it depends. But, you know, I tell you, um, you know, Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption, you hear his voice, you know the words Mm -hmm. that he used, you know all of his mannerisms, you you can feel that character. Mm -hmm. And that is creating a brand. So <clears throat> when you talk about doing that for a product or a service, it's just who is one of these characters that exists in the world that, that your target audience would either listen to or want to be friends with right. or, or, or respect. Uh, you know, how do we do that? It's, it's, it's all archetypes. Yeah. It's just the easiest way to explain it to us who live sure. in this like steeped in the pop culture world yeah. is characters in a movie. So how would you balance, okay, so if you're coming into an organization that 
an organization that's just kind of sort of beginning their brand mm-hmm. story. How, what's the balance between choosing an archetype that represents your organization versus kind of what you just said in terms of what represents the audience that they're serving? Like, is there, a, should it be all about them in terms of what their, what their brand is or should there be an element of who's going to resonate most with the audience that they're seeking to serve? Well, your brand better be about representing your audience. I mean, if you're just talking about, okay, if you got on a date, mm-hmm. And you're sitting across, like, you're, you're sitting across the table from someone's a blind date, someone hooked you up with, and you're sitting there across this table, and the person will not shut up about themselves. Nice. How does that date go? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's never good. Now, you know how much you're hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not that they're not an interesting person. It's not that they don't have hopes and dreams and wonderful things about them. But if that person can't couch those things in a way that connects to me, mm-hmm. I don't want to have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And this is all dating. I mean, that's that's all this is, is, is you know, falling in love with that brand and finding that emotional connection with that brand and getting those, those, um, those, <laughs> those moments, you know, that's what, that's what makes someone stand up and listen because the the person that you get along with best the person that you sit across from that table and you you totally jibe with is the person who is in many ways you feel is talking about you mm-hmm. you know they're there and because we're we're selfish little creatures you know right. and it's, it's like <laughs> seth seth groden used to used to say i don't want to get email i want to get me mail you yeah, know it's email. like me 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 yeah. i want to hear about the fa- my favorite person in the world me tell yes. me about me Hi. There's another uh, famous quote, and I can never remember the writer, and I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> but he said, the, oh, God, and I'm going to total butcher. I'm going to butcher this quote. But it's something about how the way that you get someone to read um, a thousand words, uh, head, or a thousand words, is that those thousand words are about Ryan Romero. It's, yeah, it's about yeah. my name. You know, if mm-hmm. they're about me, I will read all of it because mm-hmm. you're talking about my favorite subject in the world. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, so. it's like a, it's a, um, it's selfishness that comes out of survival, you know, because we hear that story is like the most powerful form that yeah. the human, I mean, we're literally hardwired to understand things in story and mm-hmm. running them through this filter, every single thing that comes through our minds of what does this have to do with me? Yeah. But it really comes down to that survival. Your brain is taught to survive. And so it wants to know, okay. I'm being bombarded by all this information. How does this help me? What does this have to do with me? How is this going to help me be, live the next day or right. next moment or whatever? And so, um, while it is it is selfish, but I think it just goes back to that little that little what do they call it? Monkey? What is lizard? The lizard, lizard brain. brain. Yeah, yeah, the lizard brain. Uh, man. What does this have to do with me? <laughs> I was like thinking about. Okay, I'm so glad you said all of this because. Uh-huh. We literally just had a presentation in Seattle this past month, and that's what we had to convey was, you know, how to take that organization and create that audience mm-hmm. or create that person that they're rep- that represents them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like they're gonna all have to listen to this, so you can validate what we already said. You know, <laughs> it's it's really funny. It's the the two things. One. Um, you know, you, you talk about we're bombarded with these things and we have to 
sort out how am I going to survive the next day? And, you know, the, of course we can, the reality is we're, we're barred with so many messages yeah, so nowadays many. that we are actively trying to block them out. Mm-hmm. Like we, we realize they are not necessary for our survival. Yep. So we get a hundred billion messages, you know, from radio and from our, our social media and from friends and from driving down the street and from, you know, the sticker that's yeah. on the electric scooter that you walked by and, you know, it's <laughs> everything. And, uh, and we're just, we've gotten to the point to where it's like, we just, we don't just ignore them. We actively hate them. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we we're like, we're, we're almost out of spite. Mm-hmm. Don't want to listen to them or mm-hmm. obey them or do anything. And I mean, that was, I, I, I'd have to dig it up, but I, I did a, 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 an inspirational speech to someone and, mm-hmm. the, and the title was something like, you know, nobody likes you or no one wants to hear what you're saying and, and wishes you would jump off a cliff. And it's like, well, you have to start your creative thought process from that point and be like, look, nobody cares. And in fact, well, they do care. They hate you, you know? So it's like, you have to win them over. If you start from that place of deficit Mm -hmm. and you're like, I have to say something, anything that's totally interesting and totally riveting for these people, for them to get on board immediately. Mm -hmm. Because it's like the second I open my mouth, they're ready to just slap me across the face because Mm -hmm. they're done. They're yeah. tired of hearing stuff. I feel like you've been working in water your whole life. Yes. Well, it's all the same, right? You know, it's you said you bring in people from from other worlds, right. and and the reality is we're all in the same yeah. world. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's water. It's Apple products. It's a political candidate. Mm-hmm. We're all just communicators. Can I hear yes. one more time? Yes. One more thing. Okay. So you talking about audience mm. uh, and and all of that that made me think about. Um, one of the things that we found is that, okay, when you're talking about water, there are so many different areas, so many different things. You've got drinking water, wastewater, storm water, reuse water. You've got operators that work in treatment plants. You've got people that, we, that did what we did in, in uh, public communication. You've got, I mean, there's a gazillion different jobs in water. And so when we work sometimes with folks in water and we talk about, narrowing down to that who your target audience is and essentially everyone uses water that's the answer that everyone wants to go to is well everybody everybody is our audience Mm -hmm. but you know if you try to reach everyone you essentially reach no one and so the fear is that by niching down by picking that target audience that we're in somehow leaving others out right and so like what what's kind of your response or answer to the value in that target and that niche and how you're, you're really not leaving anyone out. Well, so I think that one of the things that we learn or, or that anyone who's gone to any kind of any, through any kind of an education in marketing or, or communication, or whatever, the first thing to talk about is like, well, what's our target? What's demographic of our, of our target? And it's like, well, we're talking 18 to 25 year old men, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the reality is if you got, if you just threw a rock, you went outside and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to go get me 10, 18 to 25 year old men. And we're going to put them in a room. You'd find out that they have very little in common other than the fact that, you know, their genitalia is the same <laughs> and they were born in, the you know, around the same seven year time yeah. span. That's it. Mm-hmm. So their attitudes towards how they use water and their behaviors and their whatever are, are going to be very different. Mm-hmm. So it's, I find that when you're trying to define a target, that psychographics come in 
far, far, far more useful. I'm going to go back to the um, analogy I used earlier, which is you're going on a date, but this is different. This is before you go on the date. So if one of you is setting up the other one on a blind date, how do you describe this person who you are setting up that person with? And you don't say like, oh, you'll love him. He's an 18 to 25 year old Hispanic male (laughs) born between the years of 1979 (laughs) and 84. He's perfect. Like no one says that. Because no one connects to that. That's insane. But you're like, oh my God, you're going to love him. He's this outdoorsy type and he's really like self-motivated and it's it's like he's funny, he's rich. This time, next time I'm going for real. Yeah, yeah. But you have all that, right? So you get all those little details that really tell you about who this person is and and, and how they function in society. And, And the reality is that it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to define your target just by psychographics. You also need to look at what is the common thread between all of these people that you're speaking of, you're speaking about and their usage of water. So does everyone use water? Yes. But what is it about our use of water that we have in common? So talking to a, you know, uh, uh, a blue-collar worker who works in a sewage plant or something, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe they maybe they have a high school diploma, maybe they don't. Um, and then you're talking with uh, some multimillionaire who has like you know multiple degrees mm-hmm. and is born with silver spoon in his mouth. And yes, they both use water. What can we draw in connection to them? You know, can mm-hmm. can we can we talk about? You know, this is the the terrible three second they guess. They all flush, yeah. or they all like. You know, it's like at the end of the day, if both of you were crawling across a dry desert, and someone hands you a soda, you're both going to be very angry about it. You know, it it it's like there's there are commonalities in that, so you can find those threads about how water does connect all of us. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, yes, finding the niche or the niche, however you want to pronounce it, and and connecting to that, that is possible um, and, and and necessary sometimes. There are broader concepts that can reach multiple quote-unquote target markets, demographics, because the psychographics are different. It, it's, mm. it's like, you know, the psychographic we're looking for is like thoughtful human, you know, yeah. and, and that can exist across all kinds of demos. So it, it just depends. Well, I can't, because I kind of gave, we got asked that question in terms of what about, you know, so-and-so. And And so my example for me Mm. was that if you think about athletic wear, like sports shoes or something like that, all of the commercials are about, are about athletics. So you've got the person training for the marathon or the person training for the Olympics. I am none of those things, Mm -hmm. but those commercials still give me the same, like, working towards a goal and I'm still a human being that may need tennis shoes sometimes, you know, so I don't feel excluded by that. Well, you look at, you look at like the, the great work that, you know, to, to call up a a hero in the industry, you look at the great work that Wyden Kennedy has done with Nike over the past umpteen billion years, it feels like, (laughs) right. And they just, they just keep going. But you look at, at the height of sort of Nike, um, 
success was the Just Do It campaign. Yeah, right. And Just Do It speaks to everyone. It's mm-hmm. the person who is training for the Olympics, yeah. who is training for the whatever. And it's also that person who's like, I got to get my ass up out of bed yep. and I got to run my two miles mm-hmm. this morning because I'm going to fit into that dress or mm-hmm. I'm going to, or I'm, I'm going to not look yeah. like Or maybe this. I can't afford a car. I'm just going yeah, to Yeah. Yeah. Or something, <laughs> you know, but, it, but that spectrum. idea that the, the connective tissue, the, mm-hmm. the thread that connects all of them is we all have that little doubt thing in our head right. mm-hmm. and we all have to just get over it if we're going to go do anything. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know what? Just shut up. Don't think about it. Just, just do it. Do it. And you can have those little bits of communication. I'm that. All right. Thank you. We can do that. <laughs> All right. All right. Now I'm going to get us back on track. Back on How track. am okay. I the one getting us back on track? Yeah, this is know. weird. No. Yeah, I'm usually Parallel the, universe. yeah. Parallel. We operate in a highly technical, scientific, regulatory, engineer-heavy world. Mm. As you can imagine, oftentimes the writing that comes with this is a beating to read for your average customer. <laughs> So as a writer, what is some insight you can give us to help write things that people actually want to read? I, I'm going to lean on something you said earlier, which is we all love stories. And I think we all connect more when, when we have that little analogy or that metaphor or that, that, that little piece that, that makes it more human. It, it, I think the, the biggest mistake that, that you, can, you can have, and I, I've run into this when I've worked on, on B2B clients in the yeah. past, is that they they stop thinking that they're talking to humans on the other end of mm. the internet or whatever. You yes. know, it's like we're writing our website. And so it's like, well, who are you speaking to? And they say, well, we're talking to this person in the organization who makes these decisions for whatever. Mm. This is a very logical person. This is the person who, you know, is dealing with, you know, bottom line numbers all day. And if they can squeeze two cents out of a, a expense report software per mm-hmm. every process doing it, it's going to save the company hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so mm-hmm. they're going to do that. And they need to have that information. I'm like, great. So those are your white sheets. And those are the inform- that's the information they're going to look at. But how do you get them to read your white sheets? Mm-hmm. Because, again, nobody cares. I've got 100,000 white sheets. And I'm, I'm either going to put you in my considered set or I'm not to read right. through your white sheet, to read through your information about what it is specifically that you do and how you can help me. And they're like, well, you know, we, we tell them where they are. And, you know, because that's all that it takes is, mm-hmm. is one of the, the biggest misconceptions that you run into with, with corporations, with businesses, whatever. is like all we have to do is tell people we exist because what we do is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and they just fall in love with their own brand. Mm-hmm. And I always call it brand masturbation. I tell my <laughs> kids that. It's just they're just so excited about it. And, and they can't stop talking about they're just Mm -hmm. they they love it and of course everyone's gonna love it and and of course the sad reality is nobody does and you know it's it's like yes you're you're inundated with this every day it is your business and there are cool aspects of it but we have to tell that story in a way that someone else is going to get excited about it so we you know with the with uh i actually years ago worked with concur to redo their website and they're the ones that i dropped a point about expense report software and uh, they had a really great, and still do, I think. I, 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 I'm embarrassed I cannot remember the name of the software right now. I'm, I'm sorry, I concur. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's one of the yes, top the top brands out there, and uh, and people use mm-hmm. the shit out of it. And they're yeah. like, we just need to you know, remind people who are out there, so they put us on considered set. And, uh, and they had these you know, great things where it was like, it was some of the first people that did the deal where if you ran your card, your credit card, it would 
dumped straight into your expense report. Like you mm. didn't have to like type stuff in or, yeah. you know, it would file things kind of automatically and do all kinds of great stuff. I was like, there's really great stuff in here that yeah. nobody knows unless you read through all this stuff. So it, I just started writing weird stuff about like, you know, we're ninjas that go in and do this thing. And there's nice. like robots and clouds and kingdoms and stuff. And they're like, what is this? And, and you know, and, and, and I, I, I read it to them and they're like, this is great. And I'm like, this is, this is you. This is what you do. And I had the CEO actually come down during a meeting just randomly and he pops his head and he goes, I wanted to see who was writing this stuff. He goes, I want to work for the company you're writing about. And I'm like, you do, you know, it's, it's like, it's you, I said, I said, everyone forgets on the other end of that, that line is not just a robot technical engineer nerds. I, I play poker with a group of civil engineers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. And, 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 and every, like uh, I'm, this Friday, in yeah. fact, they are. And with a bunch of really they're fun. ridiculous. They just probably have a spreadsheet of everyone. That's fine. I love spreadsheets. Love yeah. spreadsheets. They've got it predicted down to the perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, they're great guys and they're yeah. funny and they're interesting and they love stories. And you know, yeah. that's 90% of, of, you know, a friendly quote unquote poker game is you're all <laughs> telling stories and, you know, being jerks to each other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're fantastic. And we forget that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like people are people, man. Yeah, and it, and on the other end of that phone, on the other end of that, that TV spot, on the other end of that website is a human being yeah. that's flesh and blood who wants to, you know, smile or not think about the fact that they're paying a bill or right. whatever, you know, it's, it's, you, you can reward that. Yep. I feel like in water, we deal literally with life and death. And so some mm-hmm. people get caught up on, um, well, we have to take ourselves seriously, but I feel like there's a way you can be serious about what you do, but also human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one no one responds really well to that just black mm-hmm. and white. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. It's like you want the facts. You want to know what's going on. You want to have mm-hmm. the truth. You want to be reliable. Mm-hmm. And that's not being flippant. Like we're, we're, we're not saying be goofy, be flippant, mm-hmm. talk about ninjas and robots, whatever. You don't have to. Right. But yeah, just just, you know. Smile, yeah. be human, you know, yeah. it's like have that come through and make that connection. It's like the reason that it's all about life and death, the reason we're being survived is that we, yeah. we care, you know, yeah, we got kids is. and we got, we got spouses and, mm-hmm. and we don't want to die either. So that's why we're all <laughs> going to get together and talk about this as humans, yeah. you know? Love it. Um, so when we last spoke, you talked about bridging the gap between the conceptual and the non-conceptual. So Math, science, engineering, these are all fields that have, in most cases, definitive answers, mm. whereas things like creativity, writing, uh, film, et cetera, they don't. Um, what are some ways you help your students bridge that gap that might be helpful for people in the water industry that are hiring or working with more of the creative folks? Um, hmm. Bridging the gap between between a more logical world and a more subjective world. The left brain, right left brain. Left brain, right brain. The old, the old misnomer, you know, you know of, of, of less right, uh, left brain, right brain. I don't know. I, I think it's, I'll say that we get 
people who come into the program. I teach I teach an introduction class. So it's mm-hmm. people who are coming into advertising. They're trying to find out which way they want to go within the, the major. And they can go to a more analytic side. Statistics, analytics, all that mm-hmm. kind of good stuff, processing the, you know, well, what's working where and how should we be focusing our, you know, our, 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 um, our communications and all that kind of good stuff. And then you have people who go into the more conceptual world mm-hmm. where it's like, well, what's good? It's like, I don't know. We haven't done anything yet. Let's do something and see if we think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have some students who, who walk in and it is, they, they just feel immediately at home. They're like all this, all this, you know, the past, all their primary and secondary education, all of their freshman year, all of their, you know, Mm -hmm. most of their sophomore year, they've been like, you know, remembering and regurgitating facts and figures. And they're like, this is learning, you know, (laughs) (laughs) write the thing down, remember the thing, spit the thing back out. And now we're like, okay, now apply the fact that, you know, this and this and this and this. And so then what, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what's what's the and then hap and then this happens uh-huh. you know it's the it's the in um improv the yes and mm-hmm. you know always say yes and and then add yeah. never say no that stops a thought and uh and some people get it and they just immediately they're relieved and you can see it on their face like oh thank god yeah. there is a this oh. is yeah and the reality is that's the world mm-hmm. you know i i think that even in on off bright binary thought processes where, where there are yeses and nos and factual information where it has to be one way and it, do, or, and it works and it doesn't have to be the other. There are still ways to go around those things. And I think we forget that, you know, it's like, well, the math doesn't work this way. It's like, okay, do we have to do it that way? You know, that's my job is, is like, they're like, this is the formula and the formula isn't working. And I'm like, well then why don't we change the formula? And like, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. You just, what is your goal? You know? And I think if you start looking at things in terms of goals, like what, what is the actual goal? The goal is not to compete, to make this formula work. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get to this end that the formula was trying to get us to. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, what's that thing? One of the one of the things or one of the practices you'll do sometimes is ask why, and you ask why five times. You know, well, what are we trying to do? We're trying to do this. Well, why? Yep. Well, because this. Well, why? Mm-hmm. And it's like because, and they say that if you ask why five times, you actually will get to the heart of an issue yeah. most of the time, and it's true. Yeah. Um, and you're like, you find out it's not about what it's about. You know, the old um, misquoted uh, I've heard many times, but Henry Ford was. Uh, always misquoted as saying that uh, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. <laughs> and, and and the point is, you know, he wasn't into breeding horses. Yeah. <laughs> he was into getting people from A to B. Mm-hmm. And so the why, well, I need a faster horse. Well, why? Well, I want to get to my answer time. Well, why? It's like, because I need to be there faster. I need to get more done in my life. Well, why? And he starts getting this, it's like, it's really just about movement. Mm-hmm. And how can we do that more efficiently? And yeah. so car, you know, it's, it's, it's solving the actual problem. Um, we look at, you know, the the phone that's sitting here in, in front of three of us or underneath three of us. <laughs> and, you know, Steve Jobs, no one asked him for a touchscreen phone. It has one button on it. And that blew people's minds. Like, well, how does one get around? You're like, well, I just changed the buttons on the face. It's, it's unlimited buttons. And they're yeah. like, QWERTY keyboard, dude. And he's like, no. <laughs> No, I'm telling you, you don't need it. You know, that's a waste. Yeah. 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 
So it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, it's it's you, a tough bridge. I know it is. I was thinking about it in terms of, I think when we had initially spoke, you told the story of, you know, being in a room with the client or the, or the pitch mm. or whatever. And so the thing is, is that, um, and I liked how you talked about mm. asking why, cause asking questions is really important mm. and we have to like remind people that we work with that we're going to ask you a lot of questions and we're not judging you. We're not trying to be invasive, but the more you tell us, the more input you give us, the more we understand you and the people you're trying to reach helps us do a better job. Mm -hmm. And so for, for me, it was kind of like knowing that you're working with people and this is not just true of people in, in the water industry or engineers or whatever. Cause I know that you probably dealt with people who were just more so on the business side of it and not the creative side of it and coming in and just ways to kind of have a better understanding of where each other is coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think for the non-creatives it's to be open to answering those questions that the creative needs to hear but also like trusting that <laughs> that we're 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 aiming to create something that serves you Correct. and um to kind of trust in that creativity and that process because we're coming at it from a different angle or perspective than what you are so um yeah just trying to kind of bridge that pitching an idea or or talking to someone in terms sometimes it's a language barrier right we use words that they don't use um so just kind of things along that lines but i think in talking about how you communicate that to students and how you um uh ask why mm-hmm. like i think that that kind of helps is just mm-hmm. creatives not being afraid to ask the questions and for the non-creatives in the room to like trust in the process yeah i i think that I think that creativity is one of those those weird sort of it's not really even a skill. I mean it's 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 it it, it, it is to a certain degree. Yeah. It's it's you know I I'm this I'm this this firm believer uh we talk about back when I was teaching photography or or you know you, you teach a figure drawing class or or whatever people are like well how do you teach someone to draw do you know how to do it or not? It's like well you can teach someone to see mm-hmm. and you can teach someone to sort of like start thinking correctly about some way and they're going to get good at that and they're going to practice at it and they're going to get better and they're going to get better and they're going to get better. And I think that you can, you can make pretty much anyone who's willing to try and willing to learn a really good creative. And, and, and I also think that person can learn to draw, can learn to photograph, can learn to conceptualize, you know, a, a, a photograph and understand the basics of design and get damn good at it. Yeah. Um, now I think that there are people who, excel and you know and and they they have like that gift you know if you're religious maybe it's a god-given gift otherwise it's just like there there's something in them they are a savant at that thing the michelangelo's of the world where you're like dude you know it's like where does that come from you know it's like but you can get to 85 90 percent that Mm -hmm. hard work and killing it and just and just working but you're never going to get that 10 percent but i think that people don't understand that you can understand that 80 90 percent but a lot of us go in with this this weird, or a lot of clients I've had in the past, especially as a writer, they have this this sort of misconception. They're like, I write all day. Yes. yes. I was just going to ask. <laughs> I write emails all day. Yes. I can do this. Hey, did you uh, you think about this as a headline? And you're like, I did. And then I immediately threw it out because it's garbage. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. Yes. And explaining to them, it's like, look, 
I'm not saying you can't write. I'm just saying that, you know, there is a skill. There is, there is training required to put yourself in someone else's mind, to, mm-hmm. to, to be able to step outside of your own head mm-hmm. and say, is this interesting? Mm-hmm. And that's most of what I have to teach students because you can sell stuff to yourself all day mm-hmm. long because yep, yep. you get you you have all kinds of little like private jokes with yourself <laughs> that you're going to write into a headline <laughs> that no other human on earth is going to understand yeah. yep. and it's about knowing that the ones that do work and then using them and leveraging that to you know does it land as a you know the, the writer's like oh man that joke's not landing it's just mm-hmm. it's not funny yeah. you know but the ones that do and knowing that yeah. It's tough. That's always a tough conversation now with people. So it's, I always, you know, pull out another analogy. I'm always like, look, dude, I, I, I'm building a house. And they're like, okay. And they're like, I, I need electricity in that house. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, I want a light switch on this wall. And I want it to turn a light on in the middle of this room. And they're like, right on. I'm like, okay. So maybe I don't know how to wire something. <laughs> I, I can change a light switch. I can change a light bulb. I know the basics of it. I do I can do that all day. I don't know how to wire this thing. Yeah. And it's important that my house doesn't burn down. Yeah. I hire the electrician. He comes over. And he's like, well, here's what I'm going to do. And he usually doesn't say. I'm just like, I want to switch here. I want this. It needs to be to code. doesn't need to set my house on fire. Yeah. He's like, got it. Done. <laughs> and then, you know, in a day, I come back and I flip the switch and the light goes on. It's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. He did his job. And, and now... I could stand over his shoulder and be like, so what you doing there? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, this is, this is the, this is the, the load wire yeah. and here's the whatever. And I'm going to wire it to the breaker because that's what's whatever. I'm like, Ooh, did you think about doing it this way? Yeah. And it's like, it's not that I couldn't learn why he's doing things or whatever. It's not that he couldn't explain. Right. It's that, you know what? I got other shit to do. Yeah. And, and this is his job and he's an expert and I trust him at that. Yep. So you can come in here and you can look over my shoulder and ask me what you're, what I'm doing. You can suggest ways for me to mount this in the wall, but the house might burn down yeah, if we yeah. just go with your thing because you have this gut feeling it's correct. This is what I do for a living. Yep. Let me help you, you know, because otherwise why pay me? Because yeah. you, know, you can, sure, you want to go with your suggestions. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's, that is fine. Yeah. You have every single right in the world to do that. That's not why you called me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hopefully you were bringing someone in because you felt like there was some sense of, you know, I'm bringing in an expert in this yeah, world. I love that. I'm that so is, glad you said that. Yes. Like there was just, mm, I feel like you nailed my next question on the okay. head because I talk about like, what is the biggest per- misperception about creatives by people who aren't I'm using air quotes, mm. creatives. Um, so I don't know if, if that's your final answer, if you've got something else cooking up there, but, um, and also I asked like, what's something that clients need to know and understand upfront to make that working relationship better Okay. from both sides, like the creative side and from the client side. Um, good creative takes time. Uh, it is work. Yes. Um, I think that you've watched or many of us have watched Mad Men. You see Don Draper with his drink in his hand and he, and, and he walks into the elevator and he overhears some pitch about someone. So can't mm-hmm. figure out the whatever. And he nails the line mm-hmm. and he's like, well, why don't we just do this? And it's the perfect line that sells the thing. It does whatever. And that's television. Yeah. That's not real life. <laughs> like, like, show like we, we laugh about it 
all the time. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. That is one of the most accurate shows on, believe it or not, because Matthew Weiner, the gentleman who wrote it, who the 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 um, guy who created that show, was at one point a copywriter in his life, yeah. and um, and he had just a real fascination with that creative revolution that happened in the sixties, but. It just doesn't usually happen that way. Um, and it's you know, not still that same way as it was in the 60s. Because that Mad Men per, like, perspective is, I feel like, still stuck in people's mind. Like, this is the way it works. Y'all just sit around and drink all day and hang out and come up with ideas. And well, I'm like, there's, there's an we element. Do that. <laughs> yes. uh, but it's not exactly we, like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's an ele- yeah as as we we sit next to my my bar in my home, um, yeah it's I I think there's there's an element of the beating your head against a wall and wanting to feel loose or or like have those conversations or whatever. But that's one of the biggest things that I have to get across to my students. One of the first things that they do for their first project, their first product, the first thing they ever before they've ever tried to do a campaign on a product or a service mm-hmm. at all. They come in and we do um, an exercise, and it's something that was passed down to me. That and it's just a hundred rough sketches, and so like in a couple of days, you go home and you and these are just the quickest of sketch you could ever make. It's like here's maybe a possible headline, and I don't know. There's a visual like this, or here's a concept for a script, or what mm-hmm. if there was a, a an event that that did this, or whatever and then we just put a hundred ideas a minimum of a hundred ideas and if you've ever tried to think of a hundred things to do with one product it's Mm-mm. it's not easy no. but we throw it up on the wall and then we start breaking it apart we're like all right well you know these all seem to be trying to tell people this thing when we really get to the heart of it what does mm-hmm. this say to you if you were to walk into this situation you know and they're like well it seems like it's saying it's the fastest product out there in the market like, okay well maybe yeah. that's something so we set that aside and we're like fastest product make that a, a bucket make mm-hmm. that a path we can go down what about this and you know all right, that's something and we write that down and then we start rapping about that with each other it's like well okay so if i'm looking at all these products in the category and you told me this was the fastest product does that really motivate me to to get it and it's like well i don't know it's i guess and it's like that's that's not a yes that yeah. that, that doesn't feel right yeah. you know right. and so we, we 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 wrestle with it but getting them to just do bulk Mm -hmm. to keep bringing to explain to them that even for me to get to one headline is writing 400 Mm. it's not writing four and then trying to tweak that and so when they come into class and they've got three headlines and they get frustrated because nothing's working i'm like well show me the 300 you threw out (laughs) and they're like well i didn't write 300 i was like aha (laughs) you know (laughs) now we see the problem Mm -hmm. uh and, and it really is that it's like it is it's hard work and it's beating your head against a wall and it's and it's not asking for permission. That's a big thing we get too. it's like, well, what if I were to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? What? I don't know. I was like, let's try it. It's doing the work, looking at it and then being like, yeah, nah, or, or, or yeah, that that's kind of something. There's something in there. And then moving forward that way, it's, it's so much effort and work and hours spent mm-hmm. banging your head against the wall. You have to have, when you look at that, I'm a little all over, all over the place here and I apologize. No, this is good. But you have to look at, at if you go back and you look at the original four-step creative process, there's, um, there's essentially a step in there where you do nothing, where mm-hmm. you just kind of sit on it and it just sits in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. 
right? And, you know, you go to the movies and, you you know, you have a drink with buddies and, and you do whatever. And then at some point, that, and this was, this was not the gentleman um, who, who originally, Graham Wallace, the guy who originally created the four-step process. This was a Todd Lubert, uh, a, a French ugh, psychologist, I think. We'll go with that. We'll yeah. go with that. Uh, he wrote really long, boring, scholarly papers on creativity, which is, which is shocking because you're just like, God, it's creativity. This should be interesting. And they're totally boring. But what he said, he had this really great thing where he thought there should be a, a, something in, like sort of injected between two of the things. It was called the frustration phase. Oh, sure. And he, he said the frustration phase of this, this, this process would be where the logical mind gives up. <laughs> it's like it's like it's just like fuck it you know it's like, i cannot make connections i nothing's working I'm on, I'm in i don't right now with care anymore <laughs> and it's like what do you got subconscious and they're yeah. like pudding and you're like yeah yeah why not pudding why not and so you start writing about pudding and you're like this this doesn't suck like why is this working and it's that it's that random connection yeah that you would have never reached for because that little internal critic is like, eh, that's yeah. not, that's not, mm-hmm. not going to work. Pudding's not going to work. Yeah. 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 And then it, it yeah. gives up out of frustration and then the subconscious mind pops in and is like, I don't know this mm-hmm. and, and it works. And, and that's when like this little aha moment happens and illumination, mm-hmm. which is the next step actually occurs. And you're like, Ooh, let's yeah. give that a shot. And then you go to testing and anyway, but, I love yeah. that you said that. I wanted you to talk about, you know, that misperception of yeah. the the idea so of thinking, yeah. just pondering. Mm. Yes. We don't do it enough. No. And that was something that we did a lot of um, in our previous utility that we worked for. And people would walk by and just, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you sitting around a round table? Doing nothing. It, and I'm like, well, this isn't nothing. <laughs> We're really We're brainstorming. Thinking. If you've never... Uh, a really good uh, book and it's fun to read and if uh, uh, your your listeners should absolutely check it out Luke Sullivan fantastic creative director he's been in the mm-hmm. business forever uh, wrote a book and it's one of the sort of the standards mm-hmm. that a lot of students read at some point and it's called Hey Whipple Squeeze This and uh, it's it's I about like it. yeah it's about <laughs> sort of the creative process and it makes it very approachable for people especially either they're getting into it or they have never thought about it before and he talks about this story, and I'm sorry, Luke, if I'm if I'm butchering this, but I think this is right. It was him and his partner, and he used to talk about a producer who would come into their office all the time, and you know they'd be sitting there, and he has some quote that's like 85% of um, creativity is um, staring at the bottom of your partner's shoes and talking about movies, <laughs> and it's true. It's like it's you know, they put their feet up on on the desk and yep. they're looking at each other and they're like, oh my god, that you know that yes. that that. that Marvel movie is garbage. What are what are we what are we doing? You know why why they keep making them? That's just me venting. Uh, but he's he said we had this producer who used to come in all the time and he'd sit with us and he'd like talk about you know cod shit just bullshit just just wanted to hey what's going on what are y'all doing blah 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 he'd get lunch blah you know and he'd he'd chill out. At some point we're like dude you, you got to get out of here. Yeah, we're working. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean? You're just like staring at each other's, you know, at the, you're talking about movies. He goes, yeah, we're yeah, we're working. Like that's, that's, that's the, the process. 
and when we cut that short, it's 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 like you know the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? So when you <laughs> when you start whipping people harder, and you're like, well, we need this faster, we need it quicker, when you're like, you're going to get less good ideas. You just are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it it can't be totally worth. Now deadlines are important, sure. but there needs to be some time. Yeah, it's not like a dance monkey dance. Right. Right. You know, no, you're true. So in a world where there's nothing new under the sun, how mm-hmm. do we differentiate ourselves and I and our ideas and messages, especially when we're trying to create behavior change? Mm-hmm. So I think that just because there's nothing new under the sun doesn't mm-hmm. mean that certain things haven't been said certain ways or haven't been, I mean, okay. We're all sitting here talking about a subject that we all know a lot about. Like I, I am in, I am by no means smarter about this subject, more advanced about knowledge of this subject than you guys are, than another creative director we could bring in, than another creative mm-hmm. director we can bring in. Mm-hmm. We all end up saying the same shit over and over and over. Right. And it's just how are we framing it, yes. you know, and and how how are we relating to it, and how are we making that connection, and how are, it's it's so you can it can just be about the story you tell, mm-hmm. it can just be about the way that you do it. It could be that no one else has said it in a long time, um, and so someone is totally unfamiliar with mm-hmm. they've never heard it. it's new to them, right. you know. It's like you buy a used car and you're like, oh, I got a new car. It's like, well, it's new to me. I never yeah. I never had it before. Right. Um, it can be that, but just because it's, it's, there's nothing like, there's not new individual things out there. doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that everything has been connected at some point. Mm -hmm. So when we see people make like giant leaps, it's usually because they've taken, I always talk about dots. It's, it's like you're going out and every experience and everything you see is like dots that you're collecting. And at some point you're going to connect the dots. So the more experiences you have, mm-hmm. you got this bag, and you're just piling dots into it. <laughs> and then you're like, you got to go work for something. And you're like, well, let me look at, <laughs> let me look at my dots. And so you, you dump out your dots and you're like, well, these two have never looked, you know, been together. And yeah. so you, you, you know, a, a creative thought is really just the connection of two seemingly disparate pieces of information. Yeah. My favorite definition of, of, of creativity is two words. It's effective surprise. Ah, and okay. it's, it's so, it does something, and I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And, and that's, that is what creativity is at its core. So it's mm-hmm. like I took this dot, and I looked at this dot, and I'm like, I wonder if I just rub these two together. And sure enough, it was like, yeah. fire, yeah, oh. something works. <laughs> what was that? You get a baby <laughs> dot? Is that what happens? Right. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Get your mind out of the uh, Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Well, More I'm dots. I said that because I can recall, like, you know, my time in, you know, Mansfield where I was before. Mm-hmm. You know, what the things we were doing weren't, um, they weren't brand new. No. We were doing things that other cities across the nation were doing. We were doing, you know, the way we were presenting information was, had been done before, but mm. it had never been done in Mansfield and it had never been done from our utility. Yeah. And so when we started doing that, the public really latched on and engaged to that and so that's what you know was like oh what we're doing is creative and and different and cool that's because it had never been done where we were at so and that's what mattered to your target i've had to tell critics that yeah we've had people critical of like well i mean what you're doing is nothing special you're right it's not okay yeah words on paper are nothing special yeah yeah but the way we're doing it and the fact that had never been done before that was special 
So yeah. Thank you for validating. Me. Oh, well, sure. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, I, I always it's George Lucas doesn't own space. Um, there was a client that we had years ago, and this was a, a it was a, a joint effort or a, like a like a partnership between Pepsi and KFC. Mm-hmm. Um, oh boy. I don't know. It was something they were doing. <laughs> wow. And we just had this random, this is in the, in the wee years of the internet when, when the internet was young and you could do all kinds of dumb shit online and people are like, this is amazing. So we did like a flash game. It's just a game you go on. And, um, uh, one of my, one of my former uh, colleagues, Kelly McCullough, I remember was on this team and, uh, I wasn't in this meeting, but the story was great. It was my ACD was in the meeting at the time. And, uh, it was they made a, a buffalo, like, because it was, like, for buffalo wings. And it was, like, so-and-so, buffalo space ranger. Don't know where it came from. You'd have to ask Kelly. Okay. And he flew through space. <laughs> and he shot lasers out of his horns and destroyed things. And, and that's really all you need to know. But he's flying through space. And so there's what I would call a star field. Black screen, mm-hmm. white dots. Mm-hmm. And when you move it down on the, on you know, when it show it in animate it down, it looks like you're moving through space, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, as done by George Lucas sure. in Star Wars yep. uh, in 79 or whatever. And um, so they're on the phone with this client and they're showing them the working model and uh, clients looking for something wrong with whatever. And they're like, Ooh, I don't know. And she's like, well, what's the problem? This is exactly what we talked about. It's like, well, like the stars thing. And she's like, the stars thing? And she's like, yeah, the background is like moving stars. Like we're flying. Like that feels like Star Wars. And, and George Lucas is kind of litigious. And, 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 the, and, and my ACD could not like, he, he didn't even stop himself because it was so ridiculous of a comment. He just blurts out, George Lucas doesn't own space. And, and then he's like, you know, like you stupid cow. You know, he just couldn't. And but he's right. Is is like, I feel like yeah. that has been done that, before. Yeah. George Lucas did not do it with a Buffalo Space Ranger flying. Right. It's like it's it's just a it's an element. It's a thing. Yes. And and it's like it's just a weird connection. George Lucas doesn't own space. So you were telling me how your students created this bingo card. That oh God. Of, yeah. <laughs> of Ryanism. Yeah. Uh, that. These are things that you repeat like yeah. a broken record in class. Yeah. To which, to which, when they told you this, you responded, uh, "Of course, I know. I repeat myself. Yeah. Like you want to know why I repeat myself. So tell us why you repeat yourself. Ryan, and tell us what is playing on your broken record? I I think it's it's funny. They they made this bingo card and they thought it was they were they were being nice. cute and they're like you know it's fine. It's like you you get made fun of and I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm make fun of. Them. I'm 40 this year. It's like I haven't been cool for 15 years. I know that, you know. Yes, he has the most He's luxurious super cool head of hair. Right now. He's super cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Cats and Ducati. But I, I, I don't, I don't know what the kids are into, right? <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm aware of them. I'm very aware of this, and they. Um, so it's, it's fine when they, when they like poke fun at you or whatever. It's, it's a, it's an, it's you know, it's a little, term of an, it an is, endearment. it is, yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. It's a rite of but they make this thing, and I'm like, that's really cute, y'all. Thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. And and they're like, well, we thought you'd be mad. I was like, no, I'm not mad. And, they, and then they start laughing. And I said, listen, I, I got to ask you though. Do you think I don't know? I repeat myself. And they get real quiet. I'm like, I know that every day I'm coming in saying the same boring yeah. shit. 
I know that. And they're all like quiet. They're confused. And I'm like, do you know why I don't? And I know. I'm like, because y'all don't fucking listen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like anyone who has raised a child or whatever, you're like, oh my God, I don't even need to be here. I could just record yes. the same four things yep. that I say and play it on a loop Leave and it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. Stop. <laughs> Touching him. Don't jump off of that. Yeah, yeah. And Don't eat that. How many times have we had this conversation? And it's it's that sort of stuff. It's yeah. like that is a flat fact. What you are saying in your your headline there is is completely boring. And it's just like it's true, it is accurate, and it is just a statement. And it's not for or, the person speaking. Right. It's for the person that's supposed to listen. Right. Which or, you know it's or you know your audience doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Why would I care about this? Mm-hmm. Um, everything has to work together. So what you'll get is you'll get a visual that says one thing, and, a he- and I'm using print as an example because it's just the easiest to sort of talk about. You get a visual that says that is saying one thing or pulling in one direction or trying to tell one story, and a headline that's trying to tell it completely different. It's like, well, I want them to understand that it's both healthy and fun. It's mm-hmm. like, ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Everything has to say healthy. Everything has to yeah. say fun. You get uh, one thing one you get thing. to that you can you can put in their mind because they're not going to remember multiple things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So we say that a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I You'd have to ask them. I'd every, have to go get the bingo card. I think there was one about like everyone hates you. Everyone hates you. Yeah, that, every, no one's listening, <laughs> or everyone hates you. You know, I mean, that's yeah. it's true. It's you. You forget that you're not talking to your brother or your best friend Mm -hmm. or your mom who thinks that everything you write is golden you know it's it's you've been given participation trophies your whole life i'm i'm not here to give you that i'm here to tell you if it's going to work or not and listen you want to hear that from me even if it's like slightly you know soul crushing a little (laughs) gosh but it's better than than like (laughs) it's better than you going out there and you know, getting this greenlit yeah. and then like the public just destroying you mm-hmm. because it didn't work or it did say something that I told you it said when other people read it and right. it's not what you think it said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at, and I, I'm not here to start a whole conversation, but we look right now about the whole Gillette thing and how people right. interpret it one way and yep. people interpret it another. Right. And it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to make a call on whether or not they made the right or the wrong decision here. I think that ultimately it was an important topic and I'm glad they sure. attempted to say something about it, sure. but I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to get hate mail. Um, <laughs> more hate mail. More. So, uh, but, you know, you you would much rather learn uh, from, from someone who's like, okay, let's look at this objectively. We talk about, um, I, I always talk about shooting the baby and it's like you can't, you can't, treasure your ideas that they are not this this wonderful perfect little thing it's like you're going to have another one right behind it and so it's like if something's not working sometimes you have three but if the first one doesn't work in this case i'm like you got to be willing to just put a bullet in its head and move on you can't i sorry it's I say it harshly at that because it it sticks in people's minds you know and 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 these kiddos they're like 
I got to shoot this baby. I'm like, you have to shoot that baby now. You know, it's, it's not working. It's not, people are not. And, and here, here's another idea right here. Look, just try that one. Let's see if that works. Now we know that is not the direction. I wish that we had the bingo card before we had the interview. See if I said it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a few. (laughs) I'm definitely going to make him like dig it out and send me a picture of it so I can uh, put it up on our show notes. Cause I want to see the bingo card. Um, okay. So what can, cause you had, you had given me this quote, what can Mr. Rogers teach us about communication? Oh God. Uh, Mr. Rogers, I, I forgot. I told you this story. (laughs) Someone, and I can't even remember who was telling me this, but it, it, it's, I, I, I cannot own this. This was, this was stolen directly from someone who, who was talking about Mr. Rogers being an inspiration in their life and something that he did. And apparently, um, he carried a note in his pocket all the time or in his wallet. And it was from, I believe it was a social worker he met once. And he said, um, there is, it said, there is no one who you cannot learn to love once you've heard their story. Mm. And I just thought that was so poignant. Just Mm -hmm. it, it, and it doesn't say that you will, it's Mm -hmm. that you couldn't learn. It's like that you can't empathize with, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know. I just thought that was that was that was so important, and I think that that's something that we can take with us sure. as creatives. Both when you look at a target audience, when you look at a client, and you're like, even just the the absolute worst clients, and you're like, what's really going on, man? Right. What are we mm-hmm. What are we doing here? And I loved when you told me that story, though, because it just for me drove home the importance of empathy, yeah, all around, and just story yeah and learning each other's story yeah so i dug it you ready for lightning round oh sure what's this super quick okay first got you can he gave us a book but i wonder if it's did i oh yeah the 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 luke sullivan ones okay what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend us i i think if we're if we're going to talk about on the subject then yeah i think that's a really easy go-to okay what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity Coffee? I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's not an I, I, you know, honestly, and this this sounds hokey, is I I go to the gym like six times six times a week. Three years ago or two and a half years ago, I started um, never having gone religiously to the gym. I started going back and doing. Have to really start kicking. Yeah. Gym. Oh yeah. Yeah. Take some time. Yeah. <laughs> More years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we ask all our guests this question mm. at the end okay. it's our um so I'm, I'm actually really excited to hear what yours is so think about it <laughs> um okay so in our line of work we would sometimes have people say like what difference does it make i'm just one person if i make a change it's not really going to make an impact mm. which we like wholeheartedly disagree with obviously because we believe that one person changing that can be contagious for others to create more impact through that change. So mm. what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could change the world? I, <laughs> uh, a, you want an advertising call to action? Like, like, like something I've heard in, in it could be personal, personal, like you as a, I want your personal one. Oh man! Romero's personal call to action. How are you going to change the world? That could ultimately. You you know, this is this is not going to come as a surprise if any of my students ever ever read this. But rule number one in my classes is write shit down. 
Uh, and it's a call to action that it's like rule number one is write shit down. Rule number two is no dying. Uh, that's cause, cause that's how important it is to me to write yeah, shit yeah. down. Um, I think that, that we, uh, so many wonderful ideas and thoughts and, and, and gestures mm-hmm. and, um, concepts and whatever are lost. And it's, it's even, even just, you know, the old, the old joke where a lot of folks are sitting around smoking pot or whatever. You get these ideas, they call them. (laughs) And it's like, man, write that stuff down because there's some gold in there sometimes. Um, You never know. It's like you solve world hunger. You've solved it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it has been. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and you got written it down or you dreamed about, you dreamt about something and you didn't wake up and write it down. And, and I tell people, I'm like all those little, like, that's weird or, huh, I never really considered that. Or look at that thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's interesting. All that stuff, it's, it's, that's dots, mm-hmm. right? Those are the dots that go in the bag. And if you write them down, they stay in the bag. And if you yeah. don't write them down, your bag kind of has holes in it. You're walking around right. with this mesh bag and you lose a lot of those. And I think that, that if you actively collect those things, it allows for so much more to happen mm-hmm. in life. Cause yeah, I mean, you can I've actually heard then that take with- action you know, the power of prayer or whatever, you write down your prayers yeah. and you can go back and see what's been answered over mm. time or who's healed or just yeah. different things like that. So it's, I, I love that one. It's just intention. And I it's think not typing it. It's no, just physically writing. it. No, it's absolutely physical writing down. There's been all kinds of studies yeah. about um, memorization and making things real. And we're still just a, a bag of meat floating through space, you know, and <laughs> there's something yes. where, you know, it's like having a tool in your hand and physically scrawling yes. it into yeah. the stone or the whatever. It's like that that makes it real to us. Whereas like tippy tapping on a yeah. on a keyboard and like Maybe magic words. Yeah. Magic words don't yeah. don't seem to stick as well. Love it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate thank you guys. This was fun. Been a joy. And uh, yeah, so thank you. Great. Thank you guys. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed the show today. We cannot believe that we are at episode 50. Dang. And 28,000 listens. And over 1,000 followers on the H2 Duo Twitter handle and almost 2,000 on the Rogue Water Twitter handle. Um, We always get all kinds of love on the H2 Duo Instagram page. And we could not have done this without all of you, without our listeners, without your clicks, without your shares. Without your comments, we are beyond words and grateful for you. And high fives, of course. All of that, too. So stay in touch with us. If you haven't already, be sure to sign up for the, um, the newsletter. The newsletter, the Water Nerds newsletter. You can go to theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter to get signed up for that. And if you know someone who isn't signed up, you can ask them to sign up as well. So we hope you learned something new today or got a little inspired or found something that helped you move one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. world.